Hey guys, welcome to our Coffee with Alan time today. Uh, we are going to be talking about the concept of apathy today. Now, I don't mean apathy as in like you know doing nothing and you know kind of this this the kind of the uh, uh, the criticism that's been wielded against you know younger generations or they're just apathetic, just apathetic. I, I want to see like what does apathy look like in terms of our world today, our our faith. Um, and how many of us you may may struggle with it and not even realize and how can we fight apathy how can we engage in a way that's meaningful in a way that um, like, like the phrase that I always like to use you know living our lives and doing it on purpose so what does it look like to live your life and do it on purpose with a purpose for a purpose um, and to remember that purpose because that's I think where where we get in the biggest trouble is we forget um, like Israel did. So this, we're going to get into a place where we people, God's people forgot. So first Kings uh, chapter 12 and, and the other, the same story is recorded in second Chronicles um, chapter 10. So this is first, first Kings t uh, chapter 12. And uh, I just want to read this first paragraph and then I'll just kind of sum summarize, you know, in a little here in a little bit, but it says, you know, then Jeroboam, sorry, then Rehoboam, because there's Jeroboam and Rehoboam in the same passage is confusing. So then Rehoboam, so Rehoboam was the son of Solomon. So you have King David, and then you know who established the kingdom, um, set aside all these materials to build the temple. Then his you have his son Solomon, who came in later, and built the first temple to to God, um, <coughs> and then established this incredible kingdom. I mean, gold out his ears. You know, he's he, the Bible even says that he had he made silver. Uh, as abundant as stones, as rocks in in the in the in the nation of Israel, and so we have this this flourishing kingdom, this this amazing country that's being blessed by God like crazy, and now you've got Rehoboam, you have Solomon's son. But what happened here is Solomon turned against God. As said in in actually in First Kings chapter eleven, that he intermarried with all these foreign women, and they started they and, and so he started to connect himself with all these foreign powers, all these foreign people that did not know God, that did not worship God, and his starts his heart started to get pulled away from God, and so by the end of it, you see God saying, you know what, the the nation is going to be you know this this your your kingship, your ruler, your throne is going to be ripped from your hand. I'm gonna the, the the kingdom will be divided into twelve into twelve pieces because you forgot to love the Lord your God, and and so here we go. Like this is Rehoboam. This is the fulfillment of that promise. Then Rehoboam went went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone to Shechem to make him king. They're like, all right, cool. Shechem, you know, here we here we come. Rehoboam's our next king. We're inaugurating our new king. Right? It says when when uh, Jeroboam, son of Nebat. Uh, this is an enemy of Solomon, uh, heard about it, he stayed in Egypt, where he had fled from King Solomon's presence. Again, because he was his enemy. Jeroboam stayed in Egypt, but they summoned him. And Jeroboam and the whole assembly of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam. Your father made, us yoke, made our yoke harsh. You therefore lighten your father's harsh service and the heavy yoke he has put on us, and we will serve you. We will gladly serve you. you don't have to force us to serve you anymore we will gladly you know we we've seen the building of this kingdom we've seen it flourishing we were being forced labor but now man we will serve you willingly gladly even and so here's the summation so he basically sent them sent them away and, and said um you go and um and and, you know, and let me give me three days you know give me three days to, to consult my my, my advisors 
and then we'll talk. Um, and so um, they, they, they go away and uh, he consults his father's advisors and they say, do it. You know, this, this is great. We've built such an amazing kingdom, an amazing country, an amazing nation, uh, an, an, you know, economy and you know, politically and, and socially, economically. We are flourishing. So, yeah, this would be a great, great you know, opportunity, great thing to do. And uh, then he's like, hmm, I don't know if I like that. Hmm, I don't know. And so he consults. It says it says the young men uh, who grew up with him. So basically his peers, his same age people. Um, and they say, nah, even you know what? make it worse for them. Let's you know, let's get more out of them. Let's suck the life out of them. Let's suck the labor out of them. Let's really go after it. Go after it hard. You know, we saw what your father did. You can even do even better. And so he came back and, and you know came. He was like, yeah, I like that advice. So he came back to these people and he said, you know what, my my father, you know, my father's power. He was he was like the pinky, like a pinky. But and you know, my power is going to be greater. Um, and so you know what he did? He just started smashing down on him. He said. You know, and in fact, you know, my father, you know, ran you ran you into the ground with whips. You know, I'm going to run you into the ground with barbed whips. You know, you make it even more painful. The yoke is going to be harder for you. So step up. And they're like, right, we're out. We're done. We're done with you. We are. We are going to. You know, and so basically, actually, toward the end of it, so he killed. You know, I'm sorry, the people killed um, his chariot ride, his chariot driver. And they were coming after him to kill him as well. And he fled. He was able to flee. And so they're, they're, you know, so they were like, we're done. We're done being under you as, as you, you are not our king. We're going to rule ourselves. And we're going to raise up Jeroboam as our king. And, and Rehoboam, Solomon's son, um, raised up 180,000 troops. And he was like, no, I'm, you know, screw that. So he was going to go and attack him. And finally, they listened to the Lord. Finally, they consult God. Hmm. Go figure. This guy, Shemaiah, um, came as you know, the man of God. Say, you know, the Lord said to him, Say to Rehoboam, son of Solomon, king of Judah, to the whole house of Judah and Benjamin, Benjamin, and to the rest of the people, this is what the Lord says. You are not to march up and fight against your brothers, the Israelites. Each of you return home, for this situation is from me. Because remember, God told Solomon, I'm going to rip your throne out of your hand. This is God basically saying, I'm fulfilling your father's promise by your foolish decision here. Um, so stop it. So they listened to the word of the Lord, hmm, fancy that, and went back according to the word of the Lord. So basically, you get what you sow. You, you, earned, you earned this judgment. You know, not you necessarily, but your father. And so that's why you acted in a foolish way. And the, the kingdom was ripped from your hands. And you are not going to be more powerful than your father. In fact, you're going to be despised by over half the kingdom. And so this is where we see the onset of the divided kingdom. So now you have the northern kingdom and you have the southern kingdom. And in the north, the entire rest of this chapter is basically there is no no good king who, who leads the people to follow God ever in the northern kingdom until they're destroyed in the 8th century BC. And basically it starts with Jeroboam um, raising, you know, you know, fashioning two calves, two golden calves, because he was like, well, I can't let these people go and worship God in Jerusalem. You know, you're in your, so it was like, no, like I'm going to set up an, an altar here. They'd already started worshiping pagan gods and foreign deities, and they'd stopped worshiping the Lord anyway. And so those who were truly faithful, you know, in Israel, um, who still wanted to go and worship the Lord, were basically forced to go and worship the golden calves, you know, two of them that, he, that Jeroboam set up. And so he led the people of God away from the worship of God. 
by his political uh, ambition, Jeroboam. Um, and so did Rehoboam. So Rehoboam didn't bring God's people back to worship God. You know, there was still the temple and there was still the temple worship, but there was still the, the, you know, the altar to the Asherah and the, and the, the, you know, the Chemosh um, and, uh, you know, Molech and these different deities uh, in the pagan world that were worshipped in Jerusalem, just outside the temple, you know, just outside the gates, just, just south of town, like a mile out of, outside of town. And so you just have this, this, what I would call this apathetic spirit rise up in, in Israel. And you see this, this, this you know, empathy is, is not um, this just laziness. It's not just simply laziness. There is laziness as a part of it. But it's laziness from doing the things that God has called his people to do. And so you see this with Solomon. He, he loved the Lord when he first got into power. He was worshiping God. They, you know, they, he built the temple. And he sacrificed think, thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of oxen and sheep and goats and, and everything for Israel to have a feast you know, before the Lord's presence. He was devout. He loved God. And then he, you know, gradually, it's it's always that you know, it's always the the, the slight you know, daily decisions that kind of gradually get numbed. You know, the the things of God feel like they're starting to become common. So you've got to spice things up again with something different than God has told you to do. Uh, God has told you to be. It becomes about the entertainment. It becomes about um, the the fun versus the worship of God. And so little daily decisions, you know, can can lead us away from our devotion um, to God. Uh, not engaging in prayer, not engaging Holy Spirit, not engaging in worship. Um, be like, yeah, I can just stay home. I don't have to wake up and go to church. You know, in fact, they're streaming it. And so I can just stay home in my pajamas and I don't even have to engage in the church. I can stay home and be comfortable. And and, and so it's these gradual decisions that we make um, and uh, that, le- that lead us away from the worship of God, led, led Solomon away from, from God, the one who built the temple. Who, who led God's people to worship and to, to, to celebrate and feast with the Lord and, let, and eventually ended up leaving God and worshiping God himself and not only that, but led the nation away from worshiping God into sacrificing babies on altars to Molech and, you know, out of you know, this, this disgust of, disgusting worship of foreign deities so what does it have to do with us? Well, so, you know, this, this, you know, this concept of apathy, you know, talking about. So there, there's um, several things all in Scripture, you know, that talk about, um, you know, this, this, this element of, of apathy and, and acting foolishly in our lives. And, uh, you know, been t- you know this, the whole source of this, you know, this podcast is, is all about uh, wanting to live our lives in wisdom and common sense in our faith, in our faith, life and faith, in our relationship with Christ, in our relationship with God. Um, and I, so my wife and I just got, so because we're reading this, this you know, through the Bible, um, you know, reading study, this day-by-day chronological Bible, we just finished uh, Proverbs. And all over Proverbs, there is verse after verse after verse, you know, implicating the fool. And so I just want to read a few of those. You know, get, so get a concept of, of this in your mind, of uh, this apathetic fool, I would call him, you know, apathetic. You know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom wisdom and discipline. How long, you know, I'm just going to read, you know, just different segments here. These aren't in order. 
Um, how long, inexperienced ones, will you love ignorance? How long will you mockers enjoy mocking, and you fools hate knowledge? For the apostasy of the inexperienced will kill them, and the complacency of fools will, will destroy them. The wise will inherit honor, but he who holds up fools to, to dishonor. But he holds up fools to dishonor. Learn to be shrewd, you who are inexperienced. inexperienced. Develop common sense, you who are foolish. Solomon's Proverbs, a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son, a foolish son, a heartache to his mother. A wise heart accepts commands, but foolish lips will be destroyed. A sly wink of the eye causes grief, and foolish lips will be destroyed. The wise store up knowledge, but the mouth of the fool hastens destruction. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. The lips of the, of the righteous feed many, but, the fool, but fools die for lack of sense. As shameful conduct is, a, is pleasure for a fool, so wisdom is for a person of understanding. The one who brings ruin on his household will inherit the wind, and a fool will be a slave to someone whose heart is wise. A fool's way is right in his own eyes, but whoever listens to counsel is wise. A fool's displeasure is known at once, but whoever ignores an insult is sensible. A shrewd person conceals knowledge, but a foolish heart publicizes stupidity. Every sensible person acts knowledgeably, but a fool displays his stupidity. Uh, kind of like the old, the, old, the old saying, you know, uh, better to be thought a fool and, you know, and than to open your mouth and to remove all doubt, right? Every sensible person acts knowledgeably, but a fool displays his stupidity. Desire fulfilled is sweet to the taste. But to turn from evil is detestable from f- to fools. The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a, companion, a, 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 but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Uh, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. Um, it's just, I mean, so many, you know, so many verses. Gosh, it, it just goes on. I mean, it, the book of Proverbs is so blatant about the, the concept and the, 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 the mentality and the ways and of fools and the ways of righteous and the ways of, of the wise. And you know, the, the one, you know, one thing that we can see over and over and over, over again defined um, as foolish as you know, the way of fools is this word, you know, if this word, you know, apathy, this concept of apathy um, in, in, in the fool's mind. Um, and it's not, so, like I said, it's not so much like doing nothing or just kind of, you know, being, being, you know, complacent or anything like that. You know, like I talked about on Sunday in my sermon, uh, this concept of, of going toward whatever is, is cheap or easy, you know, comfortable, um, you know, seeking the, com- you know, the American comforts, um, you know, as I said, you know, on Sunday, you know, toward, it was like toward the end of my sermon here. Um, you know, we're fighting for intimacy. Why, why do we have to fight for intimacy with God? You know, uh, align with God. You know, that word metanoia, aligning with God, you know, turn, you know, changing our thinking, shifting our mind, aligning our thoughts, aligning our actions with God um, and fighting the drift. Uh, and like I talked about, you know, the fight, that drift is those is the same, is the same things that it's not immediate. It's not this like, you know, flip, you know, in turn from good to bad overnight. It's like this, the steady daily decisions that lead us away from God, lead us away from worshiping, leading, leading us away from what God desires for us in his word. You know, all the, the over 100 times it talks about one another and each other in, in the New Testament, in the, in the, in the, in the, the, the letters and the new, new, the new covenant alone. Um, 
we're fighting for a relationship with God. We're fighting for a relation for our relationships with friends and, and relationships with people in the church, our brothers and sisters in Christ. What does it mean to fight those daily decisions that want to, to you know, the word trajectory comes to mind, you know, you know, from here to Texas, you know, I'm going to go visit my parents. And so I drive. All right. Well, let's say like I fly. And uh, if my trajectory is off one, one degree, I can end up in, over in Arkansas or further, you know. And so it's like, you know, it's not at the end. So I don't end up in Texas. I end up completely away from Texas. Um, it's this trajectory if we're off by one person, like by one degree. And so fighting the drift is that like we're fighting to stay on trajectory, fighting to stay aligned with God. We're fighting to stay our, our mind and our hearts attuned to God and his word and his covenant. Um, our, the new covenant that we live in, the new covenant of grace. So we're not being distracted by, you know, either into licentiousness. Oh, God, forgive us of all our sins so I can just do whatever I want. Or the other direction, legalism, like God forgive me of my sins, but I need to do this and this and this and this and this and, this, and live by this, by this very stringent law in order for God to stay in community, you know, community and relationship with God. You know, it's, it's like this, either, either side of this, of this blade's edge of the gospel. The gospel is grace, and, and the, that grace empowers us to live a life of righteousness and, and, and holiness, living the life of who we are in Christ. And so we're not going off here into licentiousness and we're not going the pharisaical way of legalism and, and driving people away from our faith. Um, and, and so it's it, it, aligning with God and how, you know, what are we fighting? And it, we're fighting empathy. We're fighting that, that, that slow drift away from intentionally pursuing the things of God. You know, getting out of bed in the morning to honor God, to, you know, living a life of prayer, living a life in his, in his, you know, devoted to his word, devoted to spending time in his word, devoted to spending time in his presence through prayer and spending time with the church through fellowship, through community, through worship, through engaging with, with God's people, you know, both in the big circle, mid circle, small circle, and because that is God's desire for us, you know, guarding the, the source of truth in our, in our minds by not letting culture, you know, kind of start to come in and, and, and take us away um, into living the life of culture, of, of devoting ourselves to the worship of other gods, you know, comfort and ease and, and, and uh, can, whatever's convenience, the world's thoughts, the world's ways, the old tapes of identity, you know, this sensationalism all around us, you know, and, and remembering that we fight the enemy and the enemy has thoughts that he wants us to think, uh, flesh and blood. And so, and I, I want to make sure that I, I make this, this point clear. Apathy is not, um, this concept of apathy is not just doing nothing. Um, I had a conversation this morning about it and, you know, talking about how, you know, the generation before, you know, and, and the other people still in our society work hard. They work really hard to make a living. And that's great. But think about why people in our father's generations and grandfather's generations worked hard. They worked hard. You know, and again, this is a general statement. You know, and I want to make I want to make sure I'm being careful. I, I do want to honor those who you know from our from our past. There, there are quite a, there, but the mentality seems to be work hard so that you can relax, work hard so you can have all the comforts, work hard so that your family can have everything that you didn't have, work very you know work hard so that you can you can do nothing. You can go in and vacation. You can go and do nothing. You can work hard so that would, by the time you come to retirement, you can go and do nothing. Versus this work hard at what truly matters in life. 
is there is there a roof over my head? Is there food on the table? Do, does do my family does my family have clothes? Do my does my family have food to eat? Do, you know, can I do we have cell phones that you know, like this that I can record a coffee with Alan on and and you know, be able to communicate with people? Do we have what we need? Do I have coffee? <laughs> um, so that I can do the work of God. That I want to I want to put through is the mentality that we need to have. Working hard so that I can honor God. So that I can do what honors God. So my life is defined by that which honors God. And that means, you know, engaging and, and maybe that means waking up to get to church, to worship on Sunday morning. Maybe that means making the time, setting the time aside for you to become a part of an act group. You know, it's not about just finding, you know, hoping that you have got time, you know, finding the time for it. It's making time. Like we talked about in our time management thing. You know, this is this goes right along with that. You know, do you have a time management you know, system in place? You know, maybe it's, you know, physically writing, writing things out on a calendar, you know, are you making time? Are you budgeting your time? Because that's the other, other thought too is like, so my family and I have a monetary budget and we talked about in the past and I preached about and I've tried to give several you know, helpful tools about. So you're budgeting your, your, your money because, but you, know, you budget your money to figure out, okay, how can I honor God with my money? Because I have money, I need to honor God with it. I need to have control of it versus it having control of me. I need to make sure, you know, where does my money going? Is it honoring the Lord? Is it honoring my family? Is it supplying what we need? Um, is it investing in that which is eternal? Um, is it investing in that which will last and not just in frivolous, you know, frivolity, you know, in frivolous you know, pursuits? Am I investing in things that will bring life to, to others and bring life to my family? Um, or is it bringing me slavery to slavers? Um, and so this is the same thing with our time. Am I, am I, you know, look back at your time. See if you can you know, budget out your time. See where your time went um, so that you can figure out where you want to, you know, make your time go. Um, and not just, you know, knowing and, and, and budgeting, but then taking a look at, okay, what in my time budget honors God? And like I said, you know, a part of our financial but you know, part line item in our budget that I believed was not honoring God was having Netflix. Um, a because it was sucking up our time, and B because it was supporting filth uh, of cuties. And so I'm, I was out. I'm out. Um, it was not. I did not believe in my conscience that it was honoring God. You know, it's fine if, if you if you don't have that same that same conscience. Um, but I'm just saying for us, it was a line item that we cut out and said, okay, we're going to take that $15 and 99 cents and we're going to put it in. We're going to invest it in something else. We're going to invest it in something that honors God. Um, and so, you know, having, you know, the date night line, you know, line item, having our grocery budget, having our gas budget, having these things that we, you know, have a miscellaneous, having our, 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 our offering to the church, you know, first thing right off the, off the top. And so we want to do these things with our time because when it comes to being apathetic, and I think I may have, I may have mixed and back, you know, mixed and merged empathy and apathy. I hope I didn't do that too much during, during the recording of this apathy. I want to be very clear. Apathy. Apathy is, is letting your time go to things that do not honor God. Um, by just checking out by just simply being something. Now there is time. 
Honoring God, let me, let me just say this, is not just doing the typical things of evangelicalism of like going and you know, serving in a soup kitchen and going volunteering and, and going to church all the time and just absorbing your life with, with religious activity. I'm just saying that adventures and going camping and going and you know going road tripping those these can these can be completely god honoring because you're spending time with him you're spending time with your family you're spending time away you're spending time clearing your mind you're being out in creation or doing something together like there are i'm not demonizing vacations y'all i'm not demonizing these things i'm saying when we when it comes to just simply working hard and only investing our times in ourselves versus engaging in time with the Lord. Do you spend time with him daily? Do you spend, do you give an offering of your time to him to spend time in his presence? Um, do you th- do things intentionally to honor and glorify him? Do you spend time with the church? Do you make time to gather with his people? Do you make time to, to, to look through your schedule and see if there are things that may, that you're spending your time on that are not glorifying God, that are simply offering sacrifice to the golden calves of our society, the golden calves of our world, the golden calves of self, the golden calves of individualism um, to the detriment of your faith, to the detriment of the church. Um, and so that, I want to be very clear on that. And so I just want to stir, stir in our minds this morning, you know, today, just how can we be intentional with how we glorify God with our bodies, where we go, what we do with our physical self in this physical realm during our, during this, this, the short, you know, as the Bible calls it, the mist of our lives. Um, so I hope you, uh, uh, can, can see what kind of where I'm going with this. Go and, go and do a research, um, in the book of Proverbs, you know, that'd be a great study. Just read through the book of Proverbs. It's 31 chapters. Um, and so maybe, you know, I know a lot of people that they'll spend a month, you know, spend 31 days. Uh, going through uh, the book of Proverbs, um, you know, we're coming up you know, on February, maybe start at February 1st and you go through March 3rd. Math is hard, guys. Uh, <laughs> 3rd. I want to say 3rd. Uh, March 3rd. You know, maybe you start it, you know, February 1st and you go through. So, you know, a day you're on. It's a lot easier, a lot easier to, to do. You just read a chapter a day. A lot of these, these chapters are pretty pretty short. And even when you read through it quickly or just kind of maybe you know, using them as, as a prayer each morning. Um, and I, I hope that that, that kind of can set a, a good trajectory for for you, for for us. I mean, it was a huge benefit for you know for us as we're reading through these chapters of Proverbs uh, and Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is a um, it can put you in it can put you in a pensive mood. Uh, let's just say that <laughs> you know read like you know six chapters one morning and, and six another you know, the next. So you only spend a couple days you know in a pensive attitude. But it, it can put your life into perspective. You know, like one of the, the things that I read from Ecclesiastes that really made me stop and think was, you know, better is the last day of a man's life, you know, than his first. You know, better is the death of, a, you know, the last days of a man's life than the first days, you know, his birth. Basically saying, you know, you know better, better it is to go to a funeral than to a wedding. You know, I remember that was one of them as well. But just this, this concept, because it, it makes you think about what is truly important in life. Like I like to say, there's no, you know, there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole, if you, as you've said. And I like to say, even say, like, there's no such thing as an atheist at a funeral. You know, we are all confronted with our, with what is, what truly matters when we're at a funeral. And we always come out from a funeral thinking our, about our lives differently. What do we want to do? What do we want to accomplish? What, what truly matters? What, what is worth doing? What's not worth doing? Taking this inventory of our lives. And so maybe we can start that today. 
Start your day today thinking about that. What is truly important in my life? And maybe you're, you look, you start looking at your job and you're like, man, my job is just overwhelming me. And it's just, I don't have time to live the life that I feel like God wants me to live. And I've, I feel like I've got very little time for my family. I feel like I've got very little time for God's family. I feel like I'm just overrun all the time. And so maybe it's maybe time for me to start looking elsewhere. Or maybe you're like, maybe just simply you're saying, you know, my, my life is great. My life is good. My job is great. Maybe I just need to make some tweaks in my life and my finances in my, you know, make, look at, look at everywhere my money is going and seeing if there's you know, line items that can be changed. You know, are there things in my life that are not glorifying to God in my finances or my time? You know, taking a time management inventory, even if you just are reactive where you're just taking down notes of every day, every, you know, at the end of every day, here's where all my time went today. I'm just going to take an inventory so that at the end of these days, I can actually go back and see where my time went. Um, see where I've been putting my time and man, I spend a lot of time doing that or man, just, that just, that doesn't glorify God. That actually brings, maybe that's a, a source where I'm, I feel like I'm maybe being drawn away from God, from the mentality of God. I don't spend time in his word, but I spend a lot of time binge watching this or that. Um, and so, you know, what gospel messages, what preachers are you letting into your lives? Because movies and music and culture, Facebook, social media, all of these things are preachers that are preaching to us a gospel. Are you filling your lives, not just with, with you know, preachers like me, like preaching into your life, but are you letting God and his word preach over your life? Preach what should be important and not important into your life. So I hope, I hope that this has been helpful. I hope this, this encourages and uh, not and and doesn't just it's not just a tearing you down but or making you feel guilty or shame, but it's 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 setting the trajectory of like okay where can we go like what can we do, man there's so many things that you could do with your life that glorify God and honor the Lord, you know honor the honor God with your life honor God with your body live a life on purpose, do live your life and do it on purpose, so. Hope this has been helpful and inspiring to you. So if you have, if you have any questions about it, want to talk about it, have comments or, or questions or concerns, you know, comment, comment you know, below or, or send me a direct message. Uh, shoot me a text if you've got my number. Uh, I would love just, you know, go, take you out for coffee. Come and spend time. Spend a coffee with Alan. You know, <laughs> have coffee with me. Um, love to take you out and, and uh, to spend time with you. Um, and, uh, and, and counsel and just bring you through just asking questions. You know, you know about about you and your life, and just love get to know you, and and maybe help you to help set your life on a new trajectory. So, love you guys, and hopefully this has been helpful, and uh, have you have a great hope you have a great rest of your day. See ya.